Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 15th, and we are in the big book on page 63, the third paragraph, beginning with the sentence, we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step. Today, the the reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, is 3326. That's 3326. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Edini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us, and the power to carry that out, and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. And Margaret, would you please read the 12 traditions? Yes, I'm happy to. This is Margaret H., and uh, compulsive overeater in Decatur, Illinois, the 12 traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as we may, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 63 in How It Works, the third paragraph, where it begins, we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step. All right, and I'm going to ask Deb to start us out this morning. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Deb from Michigan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. But it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect sometimes a very great one was felt at once. I'm going to stop there. This is awesome, because uh, just recapping, we're here now at step three, and above 
this paragraph, it talks about um, the simple prayer that we can pray. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me, and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those. I would help with thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Um, And I'll just go ahead and finish it. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. You know, this is just absolutely beautiful because... This is the beginning, you know, it's like once we've come to that conclusion of taking, you know, realizing that we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable, and then, you know, making that decision to, you know, turn our will will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him, this is the next step, you know, and and you do that by just offering yourself to, to, um, to God, and you know, the the thing that's so awesome about this is it's a beginning. We don't have to have it all figured out. As we grow along spiritual lines, God continues to reveal more and more of himself to us. And I just think it's so awesome. It reminds me of um, the beginning of, in step three in the 12 and 12, and I just want to read that real quick too. Practicing step three is like the opening of a door which, to all appearances, is still closed and locked. All we need is a key and the decision to swing the door open. There is only one key, and it is called willingness. Once unlocked by willingness, the door opens almost of itself, and looking through it, we shall see a pathway beside which is an inscription. It reads, this is the way to faith that works. I mean, how awesome is that? And again, it's just <laughs> you, all you all you need is willingness. All I needed was willingness to see that God can and will if He has sought, and He certainly has for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Go ahead, Sarah. Good morning. This is Sarah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. Good morning, Janice, and a vision for you. This paragraph is um, so, so touches my heart. We found it very desirable to take the spiritual step with an understanding person. But it is dot, dot, dot. But it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. So, um I've come to recently I, I heard a speaker who said there's two types of people in the world those that get it and those that don't. And when you learn this and you study you set and you study the big book on a regular basis, you know, what I've what I come to understand is that this step is is a step of abandonment of self. It's a decision to um to abandon my self-will and to humbly turn myself over to God. But the, there's a lot of people in the world who don't understand what that means and why and and its power and it's really um this book when when I read that sentence it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. How true that is because there are those and and it could be um, such as our wife, our husband, our 
you know, best friend or spiritual advisor. Okay, maybe our spiritual advisor would get it, but only someone who really, um, I think, who understands the the hell that 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 we've been through that that requires that abandonment of self and to um to open those gates and to see that light that to just go towards that light and and turn our will over to God's will and that abandonment of self it is so freeing when done with someone who understands and even if done alone it is such a freeing and liberating experience to be elevated from the bondage of self. And it's like being let out of prison. It's seriously, it's like being let out of prison, voicing it with without reservation. It's honestly made, honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one is felt at once. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I, I'd like to comment on this paragraph. I, I love that they give us some very clear-cut directions here and tell us what worked for them. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person. And, you know, what I, what I know about my own human nature is that when I make a commitment to something and I say it out loud to someone else, it deepens that commitment. It deepens that decision that I've made. And so doing this with an understanding person, wife, best friend, spiritual advisor, can be very, very helpful. You know, to make that commitment out loud to someone, to voice it, you know, and the wording it says is quite optional. You know, I don't have to have any complex, beautifully written, specific kind of prayer that I'm, that I'm using, but I do have to come with sincerity. Because I'm making a commitment here in this step to trust, rely, and depend upon this higher power, this God of my understanding. And I'm going to be accountable more accountable to myself and to someone else if I say it out loud. If I say it out loud. You know, there is some stories that, that um, Dr. Bob used to take the newcomer upstairs and they would kneel down together, say this third step prayer together, make this commitment out loud to do this thing, to utterly abandon ourselves. You know, without reservation. That's a pretty big deal. But it was only the beginning, they say. But if honestly and humbly made, you could feel the effect at once. At once. What a beautiful thing. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This was only a beginning. Though if honestly and humbly made, an effect sometimes a very great one was felt at once. So this is a beginning. This is a decision. You know, I can make the decision to go to Jamaica for my vacation. And I can, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to get to Jamaica. I can feel that excitement of going to Jamaica. But is that decision alone going to get me to Jamaica? No. 
you know, I have to do the action steps. I have to call a, a travel agent. I have to figure out how much it's going to cost me, and then I have to put money aside every week for it. I have to talk to my job, see if I can get the vacation time off. I have to go out and purchase certain things like suntan lotion and different clothes and, and looking for a plane ticket. And then when, I, when it gets close to the date, I have to go and I have to pack and I have to make all those arrangements. So yes, the decision to go to Jamaica was an exciting one. I, felt, I feel great excitement when I make that decision. But that decision will not have me going to Jamaica come true. In order for that decision to have depth and weight, I have to do all the action steps after. So that's why this is only a beginning. We have to make that decision because if I don't make the decision to go to Jamaica, nothing will ever happen. But that decision in and of itself is not going to get me to Jamaica. You know, and also, too, it's better to meet a God alone than one who might understand. Remember, this book was written in 1939. You know, the premise of this is going to be mailed out across the country and people are going to be able to walk through these steps and they may not have fellows around they can talk to. But today we don't have to worry about that. Today we have, we have people that are recovered. We are so blessed that we can go to people who are recovered and take this step with them. To call someone on the phone line, to go to someone face-to-face, someone who will understand because they've walked. In, this, in these steps. I heard in the aftershock recently, and it was a saying I forgot about. It says, religion is for people who are trying to avoid hell, and spirituality is for people who've already been there. So we have people in this program who have been to the hell of compulsive overeating and are no longer there. So these are people that understand that we can take their hands, make this decision, and they will give us the, the, the precise instructions in this book to help us get to that place called Recovered. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star 1 to unmute. All right, then, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And I understand Penny C. is on the line. Would you like to read this next paragraph, Penny? Good morning, Penny C. here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And thank you so much, Janice. Next, we launched on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Um... You know, this just makes me chuckle because I remember the first time I read this and when it talked about, you know, doing a personal house cleaning and launching launching onto it vigorously. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, house cleaning is not my favorite activity. <laughs> but when it came to the fourth step, I could understand what it meant. And indeed, you know, that, that's just what I did. Um, it, it It took a while for me to be able to to realize how important this was. And I, even though I had gone to many step studies, um, A-walls, you know, um, specified time limits on each of them, 
You know, I had never, never really attempted the vigorous house cleaning that the big book process suggests. And once I did, it was done. It was, it was done. Once I, once I did this really, really in-depth study, and for me, it took a lot longer than what I hear most people saying, but um, I don't regret the past and I wish to shut the door on it. For some reason, that's how I needed to do it. And thank God, you know, the, at the time, the food was the symptom. And I was had, before I got into the process, I was just concentrating on diet and, and food and how I was going to avoid overeating. And when I got down to the causes and conditions for, from which made me eat compulsively, then the problem did go away. So um, anybody who is launching on the fourth step, maybe for the first time or maybe just in an in-depth way, the way the big book is going to tell us to do it, you know, I, I just um, I pray for you and, and just encourage you not to stop, not to, get, not to be fearful, as I hear so many people, uh, because the, in the end, it is all so, so worth, worth the effort. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? Good morning, it's Leah. Good morning, <laughs> Leah. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, as I look at this paragraph this morning, certainly, you know, it's noticeable the energy um, <laughs> that um, that's in in these statements. Next, we launch. You know, we're propelling ourselves, throwing ourselves, we're hurling ourselves out on a course of vigorous. Vigorous meaning energetic and strenuous and, and full of force action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning. So this is my first action step, and of course it's clear here that the big book is guiding me to do it with a sense of urgency. It goes on to say, though our decision was a vital, my decision that I made in step three you know, uh, was vital and it was crucial, uh, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous. Again, you notice the pace and the tempo and the effort here to face, to be rid of those things in ourselves which had been blocking us. So as, as Kim stated, you know, I can make a decision all day and all night, but if I don't take action on that decision, I'm going to be left, uh, you know, with it, it's essentially worthless. That decision is essentially worthless. It's essentially worthless. So the big book is guiding me here to, to um, take action quickly. Why all this urgency? Why this urgency to throw myself at this first action step? Well, you know, the food is down, right? Obviously, the food, all our binge foods are eliminated at this point. But, you know, it's like holding your breath underwater. I like to say that, uh, you know, the monkey may be off my back, but the circus is still in town. It says our liquor was but a symptom. We had to get down to causes and conditions. Okay, my food's eliminated. Okay, the plug in the jug. Now what? Now I'm left with the most dangerous part of my illness. 
And that dangerous part of my illness is between my ears, the obsession of the mind. So what the big book is telling me is that, Leah, okay, now you have to try to find a way to live with peace of mind and serenity and happiness without seeking the ease and comfort of your binge foods. And every day you procrastinate that with that, dear Leah, and every day you put off steps four through nine, it's another day you're going to be restless, irritable, and discontent, and it's going to be another day you're filled with fear and resentment and selfishness and self-seeking and dishonesty, and it's another day you're not going to feel comfortable on this planet, and your mind is going to be able to tolerate that for just so long, and it's going to start seeking and thinking about the relief and the sense of ease and comfort that you get, Leah, when you dig your fist into that cellophane bag. And the next thing you know, despite all those vows and despite all those promises and despite the swearing up and down, you're going to think that taking a few bites and, and <laughs> seeking that ease and comfort is, is a great idea. And you know what? I'm telling you, I had years and years and years and years and years of experience with that obsession of the mind. I could not conquer that obsession of the mind with my determination or motivation. It had to be through these action steps that began to transform my attitudes, my ideas, my emotions, cast those aside that were not working, and and allow some new ideas, emotions, and attitudes to dominate me. And step four is the first action step that begins that process. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? There was someone after Leah. This is Lois. Go ahead, Lois. Hi, good morning, everyone. Well, you know, when we're talking about, I wanted to comment on the action step. Um, to go back to step three, that I had I had read this step three and practiced it, I, and for many years I le- learned it, I repeated it, I read it, but for me, I used to just I'd read it and then I'd go through the day and I would never, you know, I loved Kim's exa- example of it of putting action to making a decision, and and it wasn't until I had been beaten down again and again and again by compulsive overeating. And and I was ready, it was God's grace, I believe, that I could hear, you know, this step made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. And I repeated the third step prayer, but I repeated it with my heart, you know, and why why I could do it then and why I couldn't before, I don't have those answers. But when I was when when I was becoming, you know, ready to to, to let God remove this these these uh this compulsive overeating the action that i had to take was step three and and for me i had to do that on a daily basis but to me i had to put action to that that was the beginning of practicing the program before in the past when i wasn't able to stay um stay abstinent i would say it and then i'd run off and do whatever i wanted to do you know i forgot you know did i what did i say to him no and and it wasn't until I put the action behind step three for me. So step three came for me where I was asking him to build with me that I began to work with him. I, you know, he was my partner. And, and I showed up every morning and still do today. Step three is my, is my building block of my day today. And it wasn't until I was able to do that, 
emotionally, mentally, and spiritually with God that that I was able to go on and do uh, and have God show me because he was going to be my partner on step four. If I had started step four, which I had I had done it before, I was doing it with my mind that was still, you know, negative. My mind, I could not do these things. So it wasn't until I totally immersed myself, for me, with God's help and practiced that, that I could even understand step four. I just wanted to say that, that for me, step three is, is an action. It's the building block of my day and in the past, and it is today. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Lois. Thank you. Well, this is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater. I am reminded of something, this big book, so divinely inspired, I believe, reminded us, it taught us about this very thing back on page 35 in Jim's story. You know, when we read about Jim's story, you know, it says back on page 35, we told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. And so think about Jim. And he said to himself, am I an alcoholic like these guys? Check. Am I powerless over alcohol? Check. Do I have the obsession of the mind like these guys have? Check. He identified. He identified. Did he say to himself, yes, I I need this higher power? You know, it says he made a beginning. He made a beginning. And that's what they're telling us here in this part of the book. You can make a beginning. You can make that decision, just like Jim did. But if you don't take vigorous action, which is step four, if you don't dive in and take the action based on that decision, you might end up like Jim did. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And enlarging my spiritual life was step four. Enlarging my spiritual life was getting down to the causes and conditions. It was that effort to be rid of those things which had been blocking me because if I don't do that, if I don't get rid of those things with God's help, if if I don't get down to those causes and conditions, I'm going to be just like Jim, drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. You know, and that I know to be true. It is as true for me as it was for Jim. So the big book has already warned me that what happens to those of us who fail to enlarge our spiritual life will be the same thing. Do what you do, Janice, and you're going to get what you always got. But do this, do this, follow these directions, follow this example, and you might get something entirely different. Entirely different. And that is a great blessing that the big book has already warned me about what that can be like so that I don't have to go that route so that I can stay this course of action. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Melanie. Go reader. I'm sorry, who? I couldn't hear. Um, Melanie? Kim Kim and Melanie. Okay, Melanie first and then Kim. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Hi, my name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater calling in from Minnesota. And I like words, and I like passion, and I like passionate words. And if these would be any bigger and bolder and braver, 
you would only have to add neon to it. The word launched is not a baby word. The, la- the word vigorous is not a baby word. And when I look those things up, it's catapulting, it's releasing a power that is huge enough to send a rocket into space. Launched. Launched this thing. I love hearing the passion because I am a person that can find a loophole. I'm a loopy loophole. Lucy loophole is what they call me. And in this situation, I can't. I've already gotten busy when I've had to ask somebody to listen to my earnest prayer to set forth into a vigorous action here. That's I've already gotten busy. And here... I'm going to put pen to paper. But I think that for me, the word, the, the line that gets lost is our liquor was but a symptom. I just read along here, read along here, and I'm needing to get down to the causes and conditions because our liquor was but a symptom. That means my food was but a symptom, and I need to get that part out of the way. Put that down, it's to the side, and I realize now from this information that it really isn't the issue. What? You mean my obesity? The way that I eat, the grotesque way that I eat isn't the issue? Correct, Melanie. It's not the issue. You've got to get it out of the way. You've got to get it out of your mind. We need to get down to the causes and conditions, and I have no idea what it is because I have convinced myself it was the food all of the time. And when I looked up the word symptom, I looked up... Um, the definition in pathology, and it's a phenomenon that arises from and accompanies a particular disease or disorder and serves as an indication and proof of it. So the food is proof of that, but I have got to get down to causes and conditions in this situation, and they're going to tell me exactly how it happens. That line, our liquor was but a symptom, it's not a small matter to me. And since I don't know what the illness is, I'm going to find out here, and they're going to show me how. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Kim, would you like to share? Thanks, Janice. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. So a permanent effect. You know, what do we want? I mean, I think, unfortunately, a lot of us just want a temporary effect. I just need to do this until I get to my goal weight. I just need to do this until my high school my high school reunion. I just need to do this until my daughter's wedding so I can look good. So if we want a permanent effect, what are we going to have to do? You know, and I used to say, well, I'm doing the food plan. I'm staring at this food plan. I bought special Tupperware to put my, my food plan in. I'm doing all these things. Why isn't it working? And it's saying here that... This decision that we make is only going to be temporary. You know, my food plan is only temporary unless I, I have follow at once. And I just looked it up in my iPad. At once is in the first 164 pages 18 times. At once. So often we sit there and go, well, you know, I think you have to be abstinent for six months before you do your fourth step. Or maybe you should be abstinent the full year. Well, gosh, that's leading us to the worst part of our disease because we're not going to have any permanent effect until we at once followed by a strenuous effort. And it's strenuous. It is. It's a lot of work. But so is my disease. My disease is exhausting. You know, so I love what Nellie put, you know, our liquor is but 
a symptom. So that's why it's not permanent. If I'm only going at the symptom, I'm never going to have recovery. You know, when I think of I have a friend that has constant, um, you know, uh, her tonsils are always being infected and she gets a cold every six, seven, eight times a year and she keeps hitting it with antibiotics and she keeps getting it again and the doctor keeps telling her, listen, I can keep giving you antibiotics, but we can treat this symptom. But unless we remove your tonsils, you're never going to be okay. Those have to be gone. We have to get rid of those tonsils because all we're doing right now is six and seven times a year, you're getting sick and we're treating the symptom. But she's terrified. She's terrified to have surgery. So she's willing to live with the pain of getting these infections six or seven times a year because she's not willing to get the surgery. Well, that's what I was doing. I was treating this disease with a food plan and thinking, well, if I get three months here, if I get six months here, that's okay. I had to get to that point where I wanted the permanent effect. I wanted the permanent effect that I did not just want to not have to eat, I wanted to not want to eat. And in order to do that, I had to do a strenuous effort. I had to be willing to be rid of the things that were blocking me from my higher power. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, then we will move on to the next paragraph. Katie, if you would read that for us, please. This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. Uh, Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. Um, and I just think this is just so well written because it's, it's uh, you know, <laughs> The fourth step can be such a scary thing. And, you know, as Kim just said, you know, people can say you need to wait a year, you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, And then we just get stuck in this vicious cycle. At least I did, and uh, I've known scores of people in OA who've gotten stuck looking for the perfect food plan. And then once they have the perfect food plan, then I'll move on. You know, and that's just completely off track. And what um, this is saying is, you know what, <laughs> this is over. Like your inventory is not, you can't um, say, you can't hide. I mean, an inventory is, is truly what happened, and um, all you're doing is writing it down. You, don't, you, no longer, you don't have to tell your husband. You don't have to tell your mother. You don't have to tell your brother. You don't have to tell anybody in step five you know we we will turn it over to our higher power or um, step four is admitting to god to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs we don't have to share our whole four step the next time we um speak at a meeting you know someone um recently spoke on on this line and said i'm giving you a snapshot of what my life was like she didn't go through every gory detail of her life and that is the beauty of this step is once you've taken it, you don't do it again. You never have to talk about 
you know, uh, stealing gum in the fifth grade from 7-Eleven. Um, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to do it again. It's just like, you know, we don't, um, uh, we've had all these analogies this morning and, you know, this is talking about a business inventory. Well, we don't. Press star one, Katie. We lost you. Okay. Yeah, the guy started talking to me. Um, so what I was saying is, um, when we ta- if you take a business inventory, you take it at the end of the year or whenever you do it, or monthly. But you don't go back, it's, you know, it's November now, so maybe you just did October's, you know, inventory of your supplies. Well, you don't go and you don't go and do June's inventory. And that's the beauty of this inventory is that it's something that we do, and, yes, we, it's painstakingly um, honest. But it doesn't have to be so scary that we avoid it. And, you know, I... Um, I remember my first inventory. <laughs> For some reason, the person I had that I, I was giving it to, which I guess she was my sponsor at the time, um, she said, we met at this church where we had our normal meeting, and she said, okay, I have 20 minutes. She had 20 minutes till she had to go home and do something. And, well, I know, she had to go home and watch some TV show. And, um, you know, this was in 1981 or 82. And... You know, I was kind of insulted, but it also made me realize, like, you know what? Everybody's done all this crazy stuff. You've written it down. You're admitting it. Move on. And that's the great thing about this program is it allows us to to take action, and then we don't have to keep repeating that action. Is my life perfect? Have I ever made another mistake? No. But... I have not had to repeat those patterns that I um, was stuck in for decades. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank Linden. you. Oh. Thanks so much. It says, a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. So, uh, you know, the big book is giving me an analogy, gave me an analogy of a business taking taking an inventory and the necessity of taking inventories. It says one object is to disclose damage or unsaleable goods. I mean, there may be many reasons, all kinds of reasons, that a business will take a personal inventory. Uh, A business might take an inventory because they want to know what they have uh, in stock, you know, in their stock room. They might want to know what they don't have in their stock room. They might want to know, you know, the products that are selling well. They might want to know the products that are not selling well, that are, you know, sitting on their shelves and uh, taking up space. So the the big book is guiding me here. One object is to disclose damage or unsaleable goods. That is the object that it's directing me to focus on. That's the object that the book is looking at, is to look in my brain at my thinking and disclose those items that I do not want to keep. Of course I have strengths. Of course perhaps God granted all of us with, you know, some 
positive traits, but that's not what the big book is concentrating on because it's the it's those traits that block me from god it blocks me from god so the purpose of this step four inventory process that we're going out on here that the big book is describing is talking about pointing out those character defects that are blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit because God can't reach in my mind and take out those things that block me until I do my part. And my part is to see what they are, to see those qualities, those uh, facts about me, my resentments, my fears, my, my inconsiderate habits and conduct, uh, and, and to do something about get, getting rid of them. So step four is the first opportunity, the first action step that I'm taking to take a look. What are my attitudes? What are the ideas? What, it, what are my core, my core belief system? Because all action is born in thought. You know, it all begins between my ears. So the big book is very focused here. One object is to disclose damage or unsaleable goods. I'm looking at the things that block me from God. I'm not looking at my assets. <laughs> this is not the time we're looking at our assets. Not the time. We're looking at what is blocking me from God. I'm finding those things which block me off from carrying out the decision we just made in step three. Step three, that step three prayer is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And, of course, it should be done heartfelt and sincerely. The big book tells me so. But now I'm getting to work. This is my first action thought. I'm finding action step. I'm finding those things which block me off from carrying out that important decision I just made. And if I can find those things and see the truth, I'm going to see how to get rid of those blocks that's the whole process here of steps four through nine. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And who else was after Leah? This is Linda in Connecticut. I'd like to share, please. Go ahead, Linda. Um, to follow what Leah said, oh, I am a recovered, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. When I came into the program 30 years ago in this area in central Connecticut, it was a different it was a different, uh, I don't want to say flavor, it was a different atmosphere than the atmosphere that's present at the Visions meeting. And we did the best that we could. And my reaction the first time I did a fourth step was terror. And I didn't know why, but once I did it, then I knew why. I had so much shame, and I felt it was like a witch hunt. It was not as explained by Leah. I just was terrified that you would find out that I was a really horrible person, and if you really knew the real me, you wouldn't like me, and you'd know I was crazy, and nobody did this thing, these things. And then when we went to the, I did what I was told to do by my sponsor, and then we went into the fifth step, and it was just the death of the, the death of self was the death of the sick self, the death of what this disease had created, so that uh, God could come in and blossom me blossom all the good qualities that I'd been given. I didn't even know I had any. So it's not a witch hunt, and a really good sponsor would never, ever shame you. And I just wanted to add that. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda. Well, this is Janice, and I'd like to comment 
just briefly on the very last sentence of that paragraph. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. And I think that reminder to me is, is very important. You know, it's, it's the reminder that I can have help doing this step. And perhaps someone in whom the problem had been solved and someone who has done this inventory process might be extremely useful in helping me not fool myself, not fool myself about the values of these things. Because remember, I am coming out of a place with very twisted thinking, very warped thinking. And it's easy for me to try to justify and minimize and rationalize some of what I had been doing. But I'll tell you very honestly, when I got to this fourth step and I was desperately unhappy and I did not want to live like this anymore, I found it very, very helpful to have someone help me by pointing out the things that they had found in themselves. And once again, I could identify in. And the big book's going to go on to tell us and show us and teach us a very specific way of looking at our character defects and identifying them. But this was very important for me to read, that if I was going to be, if I was going to be able to identify myself like a business owner, if I was going to be able to do this inventory of the things that were blocking me from this higher power that I so desperately needed, then I couldn't fool myself about the value of everything I was looking at. And that was very important to me. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Deb, are you available to read that for us? I am, Janice. Thank you. Um, okay. Deb, Recover Compulsive Overeater. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. I am going to stop right there. You know, <laughs> I read a little bit ahead, and you know, the thought that just struck me was this reminds me of our food inventory. You know, we've gotten a lot of questions on the line about, well, what is it that's triggering me? What is it that I, you know, need to um, abstain from and all that kind of stuff? And just like developing that list and realizing what foods we have to put down, we list down everything that um, is a common denominator, the variables that are the same. And it's the same thing with this. When we make a list of all of our foods that trigger us, we see the common denominators. Well, when you're taking your inventory for the fourth step, it's the same thing. You're going to go through and you're going to be very thorough, and all these different things are going to pop up, but they're going to have common denominators. Resentment, fear, your sex conduct, all these different things. And the, the thing that's so awesome about it is, it says, being convinced that self-manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. It defeated us in the past. But implementing this program of recovery, we're going to walk through in victory with the help of our higher mm -hmm. power. And that's what's so awesome about this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. 
Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. So being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. So the big book is saying that I'm convinced, they're convinced from all their experience, and this is their collective wisdom here and their collective experience, being convinced that self, meaning me, myself, and I, you know, I can't point my finger and blame um, my deteriorated life on anything else but me. You know, I have met the enemy, and it is I. You know, it's me. Here I am. You know, no wonder wherever I ran to, there I was. You know, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's me, myself, and I. It's self-will run riot. So being convinced that self, this is the root of my problem, manifested in various ways, was what has defeated us. We considered its common manifestation so it's food and weight are not my issues food and weight of course are are merely symptoms symbols of my separation with god um and and that is what is defeated me that's what has uh pummeled me to the ground we considered its common manifestations so now it's it's really focusing me here. What are the character defects? What are the aspects of selfishness that permeate my whole life? And as I went through this first action step with the guidance of someone who had been through the process and who was recovered, they showed me, the big book teaches me that I'll see these different aspects of self and the way they have hurt me my whole life. And these aspects are selfishness, resentment, fears, you know, where is that? That's the common manifestation. That is the common manis- manifestation, resentment, fears, self, my sex conduct, my selfishness. So it's very focused here. The big book is not asking me to write my whole life story in excruciating detail. That is not what it's asking me to do. It's asking me to look at my grosser handicaps, the common manifestations of self-centeredness. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, thank God. Thank God they tell me so clearly. We did exactly the same thing with our life. We took this inventory just like you would with a business, just like you would with their example, their analogy. But I did it honestly for the first time in my life. I did it honestly because what I needed to know was what had always made me fail. What had always made me fail? You know, I was so self-reliant, so self-reliant, so convinced, utterly convinced that my determination and my motivation and my self-will would get, would do it, would do the job. But guess what? I failed over and over and over again. So what I had been taught here in the big book, that that self that I had always relied on, that manifested itself in various ways, was what had defeated me. What? 
You mean it wasn't my strength? You mean it wasn't what I could rely on? You know, okay, here you go, Janice. Here you go. But here are some instructions. Here are some ways in which you can look at the common manifestations of that self of yours, and you're going to be relieved of that. You're going to tap into a power greater than yourself. Be relieved of that and find, as Deb so beautifully said, victory, victory over this, where you had always failed before, you know, and and that I could hang on to. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we close? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny, would you please read a vision for you? Yes, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Thank you very much.